If you'd open your Bibles with me, we are in the 8th chapter of the New Testament book of Acts as we are continuing in this verse-by-verse sermon series through the, through the book of Acts looking at the very first church. And we're looking at them as the early church, seeing their example. We're seeing them grow in numbers and we're also seeing them grow the gospel into the world. I want you to think back about some of the biggest and most significant moments in history, maybe in your lifetime. I know maybe many of us would think about the assassination of of Martin Luther King Jr. or or maybe uh, JFK. Or in my generation, um, the Challenger explosion was one of the first major events. But we can also look at at events like the the Holocaust and Hiroshima and and 9-11. Big, massive events in world history. And there's a few things that they all have in common. One is that they all changed the world. Everything changed. Before these events, life was different, but here's another thing that they all have in common, and this is sad, but they all have in common is death. I don't don't know why it is that somebody has to die for things to change, for there to be a movement that, that changes, the assassination of, of, of MLK, we, we know that even at the time, it caused a lot of problems, and, and, but now we've got some changed hearts. We still have a long way to go, but it was a death. It changed. It changed the world. JFK, he was a beloved president at the time. Many people had never seen something like that happen on television, and it changed America. The Challenger explosion, that changed NASA, it changed those precautions before space shuttles were put into space. Space exploration was was changed in a way safety became even a bigger issue than it had been even before. And I can't list the amount of changes that have occurred because of events like the, the Holocaust. Lives changed, nations changed, races, history, political leaders. It's, there, there's so much change that has happened in our world during major events, but they all are including death in some way. Our faith as Christians also started with a major, major world event that also included death. (laughs) Jesus changed the world, not just the world that he lived in, but the world forever. And if it wasn't for Calvary, and that, and that, that day on Calvary, we would have no chance at salvation, none at all. But there was death that changed the world for everybody, forever. About three to five months after the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection, there was another death, one that we looked at last week. And this death of Stephen, who was stoned and he was killed, is one of the most important Moments in history that has a death involved that also changed the world. The death of Stephen 
it was this spark that, that literally has, has changed and saved countless numbers of believers worldwide, and it's still doing so today. Let me ask you, I wonder, you've ever been to a, you've been to a concert, or just imagine this concert, we're going to go to a place like the Rose Bowl, huge field, you've got a stage, you've got 50,000 people who are standing up at this concert, and everyone is having a good time, jam-packed in there, and you know, people are just enjoying themselves, right? And right in the middle of this crowd, we're going to add one element and see what happens, okay? Maybe it's evening, the sun's down, there's big lights going on everywhere, but right there in the middle of that crowd starts flying around one of those big, huge black bumblebees. You know those things? Now let me ask you, what do you think is going to happen right now? What do you think is going to happen? One bee, now here's the thing, one bee, it could be the death of somebody who is allergic to bee stings, right? You are going to see people start running for the exits. They're going to get out of here as quick as they can. You're going to have people running over other people. They're going to do whatever they can to get as far away from this danger as they can. Now, I know that it is a bee. And in our culture, we have seen these large groups be disrupted by even shooters. And those are awful stories. They are. But you can see how one, one in this case, a bee, in the middle of a concert, can scatter people and scatter them really quickly. That's what happens right after the death of Stephen. I want you to come with me. We're in Acts chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse number 1. Verse 1 reads like this, And Saul approved of their killing him. This is Saul killing, uh, approving of the killing of Stephen. Okay, We looked at that last week. On that day... A great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I want you to, to, to recognize something in this verse. It says, all except the apostles. People scattered. They left town. The apostles are going to stay. At this moment, they're going to stay. They've got work to do. They still have a church that they need to, to put together. But people just scatter. But there's people who scatter and continue, continue, continue to follow Jesus. Point number one in your notes is this. For those of you joining us for the first time, on the back of your bulletin, you'll have some fill in the blanks. Those uh, blanks are going to be up here on the big screen. And I'll read these to you. Point number one in your notes is this. The church has always grown as the result from or of persecution. The church grows out of persecution. It's going to happen. It's just like that, just like that bumblebee in that, that concert. People scattered, and they started running. And in this case, they grabbed their, their belongings. They grabbed their kids. They grabbed their, their, their goats or whatever it is that they had. They grabbed what they could carry, and they left. They left town. Verse number 3 Acts 8, chapter, uh, verse 3, it says, But Saul, we remembered Saul from last week, but Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house, and he dragged them off, both men and women, and he put them in prison. Now, 
this is a situation I've been in. Been out front on my street. We live in a cul-de-sac. So if somebody is walking around my neighborhood, you're going to know it. And you know who, you know who you keep your eyes out for? It's those people who are selling alarms. You know them? Or those people who are selling solar, right? You see them across the street and they start knocking on your neighbor's door and you're like, oh man, they're gonna be here. They're coming to my door. And so what do you do? You close your door and you go out back and you're like, I'm gonna hide. But before you can get back in your house, one of them saw you. You go inside, you're, oh, they're gonna be here in a few minutes. You go in the back, they knock, 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 and you're like, just shh, you got the kids under the table, just don't, no. They know you're there. Knock, knock, knock. They start ringing the doorbell. Start ringing the doorbell. <sighs> you wait for them to leave, but they're not gonna leave. They're going to stay there. And then what, what you might do, you might send one of the kids to go up there and just tell them, oh yeah, the homeowner's not here. We're, no one's available, as if that's smart to send the kid up there. But they're going to give you that pitch. But you saw them coming. I wonder if the new believers in Jerusalem kind of felt that. Now, what they were staying away from was a lot worse than a guy trying to sell you a solar system. But they saw Saul going door to door and he was finding Christians and dragging them out of their house and taking them to prison, and some of them actually died. You would want to hide when that guy's coming knocking on your neighbor's door and you see him, right? This guy, Saul, he is scary, and he started to build a reputation around town. People are, people are afraid of him. You do not want to mess with this guy. You don't want to mess with Saul. We saw Saul last week as the last character in that show where Stephen was stoned and the camera panned and it, and, and it landed on Saul. He was there. He approved of that killing. As a matter of fact, the guys who were throwing rocks and, and killing Stephen, they put their coats on the floor right in front of, of Saul. You know, Saul was there taking care of, taking care of the coats, I guess. He, he, he was there. But now, he's going to become the main character. And he's going to become that big black bumblebee in that crowd at that concert. And he wants to do anything that he could do to destroy the movement of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something about Saul. He is very, very, very religious. This is a guy who is going to stand up and stand up strong for what he believes is right, for what he, he, he's done this all of his life. He would have gone to Torah school when he was a kid. And then we see later that he studied under one of the most famous rabbis in Jerusalem. This guy knows his stuff. Saul knows the scriptures. He knows what would have been our Old Testament inside out, he knows all of this. He's bilingual, bilingual, maybe trilingual. He, he's, he is intimidating. He really is. You do not want to have a religious argument with Saul because you're going to lose. Even if you're one of the other Pharisees, you probably don't want anything to do with this guy because you're going to lose. He, is, he knows his stuff. 
He's smart, he's aggressive, and he's mad. All of those things together, you don't want anything to do with this guy at all. He is so zealous, he is, he is so passionate. Imagine, this is like a one-man Rambo mission going out to round up people, followers of the way, followers of Christ, and he's rounding them up by, by himself. He is going out and doing whatever he can to stop this movement. He wants to eliminate the Christian faith. You might recognize this. As a parent, we know the response that goes through our child's head. When you tell your kids, no, you can't. You can't have that cookie. You can't go over to your friend's house tonight. No, you can't go swimming. Maybe more modern days you say, no, you can't spend all day on YouTube. No, you can't have a cell phone, right? What, what, what are the kids gonna do right away? They're gonna find a way, right? And let's all face it and be honest, because the kids are over there and they don't hear this. We did that when we were kids, didn't we? We found a way, right? We found a way. But now in our modern day culture, people might tell you, as an adult, no, no, you can't have a raise. No, you can't be a leader. No, you can't be part of the club. What did you do when you were a kid and you were told no? Well, maybe some of us just did it anyway. Maybe, maybe some of you know if you tell your kids no, that they're just going to find a way to do it. Do you know where they got that from? You know where they got that from? Of course they got it from you. Well, I'll take blame for that. I'll take blame for that. But he got this from God. Do you know that people tell God no all the time? All the time people tell God no. People have been telling God no all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And it's, it's constant that God gets told no. So many people... So many people have tried to stamp out Christianity all throughout for the last 2,000 years. There's stories of Christians being persecuted. There's stories of not just Saul. This is the first time we see people, Christians, being dragged out for their faith and thrown in jail. That happens a lot. Thousands of people worldwide and probably millions of people over the last 2,000 years as others try and stamp out Christianity. And you know what God does when people say no? God says, I'm going to find a way to find my people anyway. I'm going to find a way. God says, you don't tell me no. I wonder if we've ever told our kids that. You ask, you tell the kids, you know, hey, do this. No. You say, you don't tell me no. You know what God does when the world, when society tells God no? God says, you don't tell me no. So glad that God has so much power. God shows up. When he shows up, he shows up bigger. He shows up stronger. He shows up deeper. When Jonah told God no, God said, big fish, get inside. Yep, I'm going to take care of this. When, when, when Moses said no... Moses said, no, I, I, I can't speak very well, God. God says, okay, I'm going to give you your brother Aaron. He's going to talk for you, and I'm going to solve the problem. Don't tell me no. 
You know, as a person, we can't, as a person, as a country, as a government, as a society, as humankind, we can't shut God up. We can't tell God no. You're not going to stop him. There's something that happens when God moves. When God moves, people notice and things change. When God moves, people notice and things change. God's not trying to be sneaky. No, he wants to be known. And if persecution of the church is what it takes for, the God, for God and Jesus and his saving power to be known worldwide, then so be it. He says, if that's what it takes, so be it. If you and I have to stand up to bullies for our faith, so God can be known to others in our life, so be it. That's our job. The death of Stephen is about to change the world. And these Christians who are fleeing, they don't even know it yet. So be it. Some of these, some of these early Christians that scattered that we just saw in verses 1 and 3. Some of them went back home. Remember, they had come for Pentecost. They had stayed in town for a while. Now, here's Rambo Saul going around, throwing Christians in jail. Some of them are going to scatter, and they're going to go home. Some of them are going to go to other places. They're going to go to other cities. But there is a Christian killer on the loose, and these people are running. So Saul... He actually, he, he's creating a big problem for the Jewish believers. He's throwing people in jail, and something amazing happens. When the church scatters, now these Jewish believers in, in Jesus, they're not just in Jerusalem. And we're going to see through the book of Acts as we go through this, Saul one of the worst of the bad guys. Eventually going to become Paul, one of the best of the good guys. We're going to see that down the road. Right now, worst of the bad guys, okay? Saul is somebody who you don't want to mess with. But later on in his life, it's as if he sat down with investigators and told them what happened. And Luke wrote this down in the book of Acts. I want you to see what he says later on about this time. I'm in Acts chapter 22, verse number 4. He said, I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As the high priests and all the council can, testify, can, can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them and their associates in Damascus, and I went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. So here we learn that Saul, Christian Rambo, killer going out right to round up Christians he has authority from leaders from the religious leaders to those the high priest the Sanhedrin and so far in our story in chapter 8 he's been moving through Jerusalem and he knows that those who have scattered he knows that they couldn't have gone very far 
They've only been gone for a little while. He is so zealous. He has this deep passion. Some of us have deep passion. Maybe it's for sports. Maybe you've got a, a deep, deep passion for a hobby. Maybe there, there's something that you love that you've got this deep passion for. Some people will have a deep passion for, for just, let's face it, things that we know are sinful, but we're going to hold on to it so much. We're so passionate about it that we're going to hold on to something that absolutely is wrong, but we are passionate. We're going to hold on to that. That was Saul. Saul looked at these people. He looked at these Jewish people who were now following Jesus. First of all, he looked at them as traitors because they were followers of Jewish culture, of Jewish religion, and now they're following Jesus. He also looks at them as being lesser than he is. He's superior to them in his mind because he's a Pharisee. He's superior to them because you know, he's educated. He's superior because he could drag people off to jail and the authorities don't do anything. They let him do it. This guy almost has free reign. Authorities don't care. When it comes around to Saul, and him taking care of the Christians. Look what he says in Acts 26. Again, it's kind of, he's kind of talking to investigators about what happened. He says, many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And, and I tried to force them to blasphemy. And I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. This is so important. Point number two in your notes is this. For every spark we initiate to spread the word of Jesus, there are people working hard to put out the flames. For every spark that we create to spread the word of Jesus, there are other people that are coming right behind you to put out that flame. Even today, as deep and passionate as you are about your faith today, there are so many people that are so deep and so passionate about snuffing it out still. You just watch the news. It's not just taking God out of schools anymore. It's taking God out of life if they can. Anything to smash this down. Paul was so proud of what he was doing. He thinks he's right. He thinks that this passion to smash out the Christian movement is, is the right thing to do. We talked about this over the last few weeks, that the temple was in Jerusalem. Also in Jerusalem, there were some synagogues, a smaller church for Jews from other parts of the world who would come to Jerusalem. That's the main hub, okay? But in all different cities around this part of the world, you would have synagogues in different cities. And Paul, eventually when he leaves Jerusalem, he would go to those synagogues because he knows there's Jews there and the Christians would come and, and worship there also. They would come and, and, and just to be around others and that's where Paul would go to hunt them down. He would go to synagogues and he would find people and try and get them to speak against God, not against Jesus, against God, because that's blasphemous and, and that's a death sentence. You know that to Saul, 
these believers in these other cities that had, that had fanned out now, these people that were scattered, they were really dangerous now to his cause. You know, when you're on a covert mission, you've got to clean up your messes, right? You like, you've got to have no loose ends. We see that in the movies, right? You've got to, um, you've got to finish the job. Well, that's what Saul wants to do. His worst fear, Saul's worst fear, came, became, this Christian thing exploded, and it was actually at his own hand. He actually did that. When all of the believers were in Jerusalem, Saul had them pinned in one place. Now it's pretty easy to, to move them out and go throw them in jail. But by his own hand, he actually created this, this problem for himself. Now, these believers are everywhere. I want you to come back with me to that concert that we were just at, okay? So you're one of the people that just, just left. You, you found an exit, you got to your car, and you are gone. You're heading home as quickly as you can. But let me ask you, what's the first thing that you do when you get home? Don't you start telling people what just happened? Don't you start telling people there were 50,000 of us and one bee came in the middle and we all scattered. Nobody wanted to get hurt. There was people running over people. That's what you do. As soon as you get home, you start telling people what happened. And that's what happens here. These believers, when they scattered, either they went home or they went to other cities, they started telling people what was going on. Come back with me. I'm in Acts chapter 8, verse number 4. He says this, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city in Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. The third point in your notes this morning is this. Those who were scattered instantly became missionaries. Those who were scattered instantly became missionaries. Hub was in Jerusalem. They took what they learned. They took what they heard. They took this deep passion, this love of Christ. They know the Savior. They took it with them. And now they have a job. They are missionaries now. The Christians were being hunted up and rounded up, persecuted and being thrown in jail. Because of this persecution, the church expanded. Because that often happens in persecution. It enhances, oftentimes it enhances the movement that it's trying to destroy. We see that in other movements in our own culture. Persecution enhances movements that it is trying to destroy. And that's exactly what happened here. Persecution strengthens. And it strengthened the new believers in Jesus. You do. You've got this, this religious Rambo going around picking off Christians and now they want to get out of town. Not the apostles. Remember, they're going to stay. They have work to do. Because Jesus told them. Jesus gave them the mandate, gave them the directions in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. And at the end of all four of the 
Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus told them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the job. Now, 12 guys and an entire world? How are 12 guys going to do that? Well, of course, if we teach people and then if we send them. But you know what? God had a different plan. There was this plan to scatter. Look what happens just a few months after Jesus gave the apostles that mission. Saul comes along, scatters the church. I'm in Acts chapter 11. We're going to put that slide up. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. God is moving. The first thing that happened when the people were scattered was that they went and found other people to share the gospel with. These people started to talk not only to people of their own race, not only to people of their own culture, they started to talk to Gentiles also. Let me explain that. A Gentile is somebody who's not a Jew. Most of us here are Gentiles, okay? Somebody in their community was not from Jewish culture. They started talking to them also. They would go into cities that were mainly Gentile cities, and they would talk to them. They would talk to people who didn't know their culture but needed to know Jesus because these people who were scattered knew this. They knew this was so important that nobody is safe from sin. Nobody. It didn't matter if you were Jewish, if you were Gentile, if you were Phoenician, if you were Alexandrian, it didn't matter if you were a member of the Sanhedrin, if you were a merchant, a farmer, if you were black, if you were white, Hispanic, Canadian, Russian, German, it doesn't matter. Everybody needs Jesus. As we come to the end of our scripture this morning, we're going to catch up with Philip. Philip, well, we're told that he went to Samaria. Jews from Jerusalem and Judea and Galilee, they don't step foot in Samaria. This is where we get the story of the woman at the well. She was in Samaria. This is where we get the story of the good Samaritan, okay? It was a, a I want you to think about this land as, as three different states. They weren't necessarily states in Palestine, but I, I want you to kind of get the picture. Judea in the south, Jerusalem's a city in Judea. Then you've got, in the middle, you've got Samaria, and then in the north, you've got Galilee, okay? The Jews in Galilee and Judea, they cannot stand these people in the middle in Samaria. They don't like them at all. As a matter of fact, if you needed to get from Galilee to Judea where Jerusalem is, you wouldn't take the easy route straight through Samaria. No, you would walk all the way around so that you didn't have to see these people. Hated them. Hated them with a passion. Verse number 6, Acts 8, verse 6 says this. Now remember where Philip went? 
he went to Samaria. Okay? When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For the shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed were lame and healed, so there was great joy in that city. Yeah, we're talking about literally performing miracles. Jesus gave people this power. These people in Samaria saw that point number four in your notes. The last point this morning is this. Bringing Jesus brings joy. Bringing Jesus brings joy. What does that mean? What does all of this mean to you and I this morning? We've already talked about persecution and how Christians will face persecution. If you haven't, for your faith, you will. It's part of what happens in the life of a Christian. We've already talked about the fact that we need to stand up for the gospel, that that's our job. But I want you to recognize something in our scripture this morning. Persecution of the church actually is what spread the gospel. If things in Jerusalem, if things in Jerusalem would have stayed status quo, if Saul wouldn't have gone around, if things had just stayed the way they were, Christians would have got comfortable. They were going to church, they were going home. They were going to church, they were going home. They were going to church, they were going home. They, they never would have gone to other cities to tell people about Jesus. Do you know what happens when Christians get comfortable? Nothing. Nothing happens. Think about that. What happens when Christians get comfortable? Nothing happens. People died. Stephen died. And it was the moment in Christian history that changed the entire world. Because people were scattered, we started to see the gospel preached in other areas, in other cities that people may not have ever gone to on their own. If there would not have been a bee in the concert, People would not have been scattered and just gone anywhere they could go to for safety and told people about Jesus. You see how important that even somebody like Saul, the worst of the bad guys, you see what he did? He didn't want this to happen, but it happened because God wanted it to happen. And these people who were scattered, let me tell you something about them. These people... They weren't pastors. These people were not people who had the Bible memorized. They weren't people who even had any verses memorized. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. Most of these people couldn't even read. They didn't have their own Hebrew scriptures. They didn't have Greek scriptures. It wouldn't have done them any good. They didn't have any of this. They didn't own their own Bible. What they had was the knowledge that Jesus Christ saves, and they knew that everyone needs to know about it. That's what they had. They had a mission to tell other people. These believers had only been around the apostles for maybe a month, not very long before they were scattered, and the apostles had only been around Jesus for, for three years. I wonder if we have a harder time 
talking to people about Jesus, talking to people who we know or talking to people who we don't know, I bet there's some of us that would say that we have a harder time talking to people who we know, right? If we have an easier time talking to people who we don't know about Jesus, I would say it's time for us to start talking to people who we don't know about Jesus. If that's where our strength is, let's go. Of course we need to talk to our family. But if, if we're better at talking to people who we don't know about Jesus, then let's go. See, if Jesus had not told the apostles to go to Samaria, they wouldn't have gone. In their culture, you don't go into Samaria. We don't like those people. Jesus told them, I want you going there. And then God, through his providence, scattered people who went there to tell others about Jesus. If this persecution hadn't happened, the church would have never spread into Samaria. It certainly wouldn't have spread all over the world. We certainly wouldn't see the persecution that we see today in other countries. If you don't think it's coming to America, you know, it's coming to America. It's, it's here already. Our job is to stand up and to spread out. Stand up and spread out and tell others about Jesus. Let me tell you something. You here today are part of that spread out. There is so much work that has gone into the last five years for a church to be here today to be witnesses to this community in Paris. There's people here that God wants us to talk to. That's our job. Does it come easy? Nope, it doesn't. But it's still our job. It's still our mission. We're still going to be persecuted. People are still going to look down on us. That's okay. That's all right. It's our job to spread out and tell others about Jesus no matter what. Will you pray with me?